0: Hey everyone, welcome to Asian Tech Leaders, the podcast where we interview some of the most interesting and inspiring Asian CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. I'm your host, Justin Pang, and I'm on a mission to share the stories of Asian tech leaders to help guide your personal and professional life. Thanks so much for joining me, and hope you enjoy the podcast. Kane Ma is a co-founder and CTO at Camo Digital Solutions, a full-service digital agency for startups. Prior to founding his company, Kane played junior varsity basketball at the storied University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which was also home to former NBA legends Michael Jordan, Vince Carter, and many others. After playing professional basketball in Asia for 2 years, Kane started Camo Digital Solutions with his friend and former teammate Kanayo Rapu Kane received his Bachelor of Computer Science and Economics at UNC, and was recently profiled in the Wall Street Journal sharing his experience with anti-Asian hate crimes. In this episode, you'll learn more about how Kane's lesson from basketball helped him as an entrepreneur, how Kane balanced time between playing basketball and more traditional Asian priorities growing up of doing academics and playing piano and violin. And you'll also hear Kane's story from being cut from his basketball high school team and how that fueled him to play basketball at a higher level. Hope you enjoy this episode and let's get started. Hey Kane, thanks for joining the podcast today.
1: Hey Justin, thanks for thanks for having me.
0: Really excited for our conversation, um, and thought we would start, you know, not about your upbringing or your um, current role as a CTO, but with your background as a basketball player. So, could you share with folks um, a little bit more about how basketball was uh, part of your life? Um, at least when you're in college?
1: Yeah, um, basketball, well, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I had that dream of wanting to play at the college level and, of course, playing the NBA. Um, And so as I grew up, you know, I fell in love with the game and I dedicated a lot of time to it, you know, trying to get better. Uh, In college, actually, I, um, I went to UNC Chapel Hill uh, in North Carolina, and I, I just went as a student. So coming out of high school, I had um, several uh, scholarship offers to play basketball to smaller schools like Division two and Division III. Um, and so I was kind of contemplating either doing that um, or going to UNC because I got in academically at UNC. So uh, I knew I wanted to go to a bigger school. So I ended up choosing UNC. And the cool thing about it and what actually influenced my decision as well uh, was the fact that UNC has a JV basketball program, and typically uh, most colleges at this point kind of took that part of their program out, uh, but you know UNC has had that tradition, um, and usually the case is uh, it's a it's pretty much an open tryout, uh, and you know kind of like almost like high school, and uh, often in the past a lot of guys uh were called up to the varsity team as a walk on um and so that was you know when i heard about that that opportunity that that kind of fell right in tune in tune with what like who i was and my background of you know outworking people proving people wrong and trying to get to that next step and playing you know in the ACC division 1 would be a dream come true so that that's um why i chose that route
0: Hmm. So it sounds like you you decided to go to UNC primarily for academic purposes. But if there is a way for you to get into the JV program and and play for UNC, you would
1: do that, right? Yeah. Like, and so know. when I, I heard about that prior to my decision, and then that kind of got sold it. me, yeah. right. And then so when I went went to UNC as a freshman, um, you know, I got my physical, and I so they had the tryouts at the the Dean Dome, the Smith Center, um, and so Coach Hubert Davis, who is the new um, head coach for UNC basketball since Roy, Roy Williams retired. Um, he was the JV head coach at the time while doubling as an assistant for the varsity. And so I made the team as a freshman. Um, and, you know, I ended up playing really well my freshman year. Uh, actually led the team in assists. And so um, after the season, he told me, you know, he, he thought I was good enough to play for the varsity team. Um, and he pretty much—it's it, how it works. It's pretty much kind of like a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know that's a legendary program. You know they're they're trying to get the best recruits in the nation. You know five-star recruits, um, which they do, of course. And so, really, it's a matter of you know he—it's a matter of a, a numbers game. So, if there's a spot in my position, um you know, of course, I, and I'm good enough, then that's an opportunity for me to get moved up. And so. Um, as the years went by, um, that spot was kind of pretty tight because they had, a you know, four or five point guards pretty much every year. And then um, as I got later into my um, career at UNC, that kind of spot, that spot kind of opened up and I got moved up. So
0: what, how did you feel at the time? You know, UNC is, like you said, such a legendary program. Jordan went, to UNC yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vince Carter, you know, as a as a Toronto Raptors fan. He oh yeah, was oh yeah, a UNC uh, alum. Uh, but what was going through your mind even when you got the call to join the JV team? Uh, how did you feel? Yeah. How did you process that? And also, like, how did that put your academics in in perspective?
1: Yeah. So really, um, I mean, my whole basketball career was kind of definitely very much up and down. Um, I got cut from my team in high school as a junior, even, and I thought I would quit playing basketball in high school. Um, and even at UNC, you know, I made it as a freshman um, for the JV team, but also my junior year, you know, I I had started doing th- some practices with the varsity, but they uh, had too many guard spots, um, and so they weren't able to add me as a junior. And so there's a lot of ups and downs where, um, you know, th- the main thing. Uh, was just keeping my head down and working and trying to cut out the noise. Um, a big thing that I learned throughout was just the concept of like opportunity. Um, a lot of times, uh, well, most most of the times, opportunities that usually are are life changing or very significant happen at very just random times, you know. And and the question is not about whether the opportunity will arise, but more about whether or not you'll be ready to seize that opportunity, um, and you know, obviously, if I had stopped playing or if I had quit and things like that, then these doors wouldn't have never opened. They've never been an option anyway. So um, that's that's a big thing that I learned is just the whole persevering and and continuing to to do what you need to do despite not um, either seeing the result or even seeing a clear path sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of balancing it with my academics at UNC um, I, I felt like I was always pretty good at um, time management and just being, I mean, I'm very big on productivity, you know, so I, I always want to maximize um, just my my output based on what I put in, of course. So um, I, I mean, every, everyone's busy in college, you know, every, you know, you can make your your day as busy as you want, really. Um, but I, I think, so I studied computer science and economics, and those are two things I, I definitely enjoyed. So that didn't make it seem, um, you know, taxing on me day to day. Um, and also, I love playing basketball. So um, it it wasn't, you know, as, like, work, you know. Yeah. I didn't seem quite as work.
0: And in college, how many hours a week, roughly, are you practicing or, like, studying film or playing versus, like, how much time you're spending in academics and other parts yeah. of a typical um, college life.
1: Yeah. So when, when I, when I joined the varsity team, it was, it was pretty much like a full-time job, you know? Um, and so just what you're require, required to do, um, you know, usually I would, after my classes, I would g- get to the gym around one or one thirty 30 PM. Um, we would have a pre pre-practice lift for about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and then, you know, you would get your, um, pre-practice like recovery or uh, treatment beforehand all the stretching and get taped up Um, then you would take a little bit of time to to do your warm-up shoot around for about 30 minutes and also um something that coach Williams did was every day they he passed out a practice plan and basically it was a plan that showed pretty much a a minute breakdown every minute of the practice of the three-hour practice so um there was you know thought, he called them thoughts of the day. So mm-hmm. there's an overall thought of the day, an offensive emphasis and a defensive emphasis. And, you know, sometimes they're like, you know, quotes from, you know, uh, like wise quotes or there's, and then offensive and defensive are more like concepts that we want to focus on for the day. Um, and so he, he picks on people in the beginning to, to spit that back out to you, to, to him, to make sure, you know, you're, you're locked in. And so, um, you know that's like kind of the pre practice and then there's a three hour practice and then after you do your treatment. Um and then we usually get food after in the meal room so we eat. So really it's from like one that I show up and then I I'm leaving the gym at eight thirty or nine. Wow. Um and you know on game days and road trips that you know there's some travel time in there as well. Um film film study before practice sometimes sometimes after practice. So um yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely definitely basketball, impact.
0: and it was ba- so basketball, like your number one priority and like academics, you just like s- squeeze that in and whatever time you have and obviously yeah. try to maximize your grades. Like how, how do you balance it? How did you balance it too?
1: I I tried to, I, I mean, yeah, balancing it was some days it got tough. Um, but I never tried to, you know, push my academics to the side at all. Mm-hmm. Just because I know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, wild basketball is my passion. I may be able to play after I graduate. You know, my mind is where I'll make the most impact. Um, so uh, it, it was. I, I just, you know, you just gotta, whether it's less sleep or you know less socializing, you know, less going to parties or whatever the case is in college. You know, you, you know, you just need to find the time to lock in and and really focus. And you know, if you do that, then Um, and you do it, you know, in a smart way, instead of, you know, always like pedal to the metal type, um, then you'll be able to find balance and not overwhelm yourself.
0: That's great. And, um, sounds like, you know, probably a lot of these habits were developed when you were younger. Could you share a little bit more about, um, number one, what were your curiosities when you were young? It sounds like You know, basketball is pretty uh, a keen interest, but if there's anything else, um, that'd be great to hear. And then number two, um, if you could share a little bit more about the influence that your parents had in terms of what you decided to do uh, both at college and even after.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my parents uh, were immigrants from China. Um, My dad uh, went to school at George Mason um, and and he's in tech now too. But, um, you know, growing up, I had a lot of respect for you know, the life they were able to provide for me. Um, it was very obvious that they wanted the best for me um, and they did a lot to to do so. Um, and, you know, they, they, they had high expectations for me as well. Um, I think many other uh, Asian Americans can relate to having to do um, extra math problems or extra readings <laughs> um, and also, you know, play instruments. So I, I played piano and violin growing up. Um, when I was younger, I didn't like it as much, but when I got older, I, I appreciated it a lot more. And I actually was glad that, you know, I had that experience and kind of skill set mm-hmm. almost. Um, so, you know, there, there was a, there was kind of a high expectation and I definitely wanted to make my parents proud. Cause that, that, that's what meant the most to me, uh, especially growing up. Um, but at the same time, you know, they let me, um, be a kid of course. And also, you know, if I wanted to do something, they didn't stop me from doing it they always let me you know at least entertain it unless it was obvious it was (laughs) not a good thing you know but something like basketball like my dad put me in in a rec league when i was five just probably just so i can i don't know burn off energy play play sports yeah burn (laughs) off energy and um i mean i was pretty bad at i think everybody's bad at when they're five years old (laughs) but uh as i got older you know the friends that I made, they all played basketball as well, and so um, I grew a love for the game through just playing with my friends and, you know, seeing the the glamour on TV and all that. So, um, yeah.
0: Very cool. And um, and then your decision to actually, you know, go to UNC with a, you know, a, kind of a double focus with academics and athletics. Your parents were pretty supportive of that. Like, or is that were you um, on the same page?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, it's funny you asked that um, growing up when basketball started getting more serious to me, um, my parents, I don't think they initially, they understood how much I really, you know, wanted to play um, from something that was more of a hobby. It was more of like, you know, I, you know, I really want like it's more than just like something I want to do for an hour a day to just relax. Like, you know, my workouts started getting longer. My time at the gym started getting longer. And so um, at first, you know, they didn't quite understand. I mean, they, they didn't mind it um, because I was making friends and staying active. And it was more like, you know, as long as your grades and your academics are good, then obviously we're not going to stop this side of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of like an unsaid deal, um, which I, I held up, you know. And uh, but, but what was interesting was, you know, like I said, I didn't make my high school team as a junior. I went to a public high school. It was Northwest, Northwest Guilford High School in Greensboro. And, you know, they cut me uh, from the team. And, you know, my parents were – they felt bad for me. They knew I put a lot of time in. Um, but, you know, they're pretty much like, you know, it's okay. Like, there's a lot more to life, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, no, nah, I mean, I, I want to keep playing. And um, somehow I, I convinced them to let me transfer school as my senior year. <laughs> um, so it basically- was
0: it with a primary purpose to – make
1: the basketball to, team to play to play, to play basketball. basketball and, and yeah, so yeah. the reason i went to that school uh, was because the coach um had seen me work out and also a good friend of mine who's who's now the co-founder of um the business i'm running now um you know we grew up together um he was friends with my older brother as well and uh he, he i mean he knew you know that i didn't make the team but he he's like when i'm when i didn't make the team it was a wake-up call you know um I thought it might have been politics or whatever and, you know, make excuses as a kid, but I knew I just needed to be a better player. So I just started going that much harder in the gym and trying to get better um, and kind of reassess myself and, you know, hit him and the coach and other guys that saw how much better I'd gotten. And they knew I wanted to play, you know, to keep playing. And so um, they said, you you should come to this school um, with us for the your final year. Um, And (laughs) And I initially told my parents, you know, they didn't really get it. Uh, and I was like, and they, but they trusted me, you know, they they trusted that I would be able to, you know, uphold my grades, get into a good school still. Um, but, you know, I, I went, they they trust me at the end of the day. That's so amazing. I, I mean, what an
0: amazing for. story and a testament to your parents' support and belief in your own, like, destiny for yourself. So it's yeah. amazing to hear that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I, I know they, I mean, it's their call at the end of the day. I I know they could have easily said no. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad and I talked about it the night before, uh, my first day of school as a senior. And both schools had the same first day, you know. And the night before, before I went to sleep, he said, uh, just sleep on it. Let me know what school in the morning you want me to (laughs) take you to. I was like, all right, sounds good. I woke up, choice was clear. I said, take me to New Garden. Um, Amazing! You know,
0: They're <laughs> so like, see, see you later, friends at my old school. I'm going to, I'm going over here to play ball. So yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I yeah. I don't think a lot of people even knew, other than my like, you know, close friends. But yeah, you're I like, wait,
0: what? What's Kane doing on that other school's basketball team? I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's
1: like, no, you yeah, cut exactly. me.
0: I mean, I'm curious to know too. Like, even watching the Last Dance and Michael Jordan documentary, like, how much? Where was your fuel coming from? Right. Was it about just like, you know, setting standards for yourself and like wanting to like prove something to yourself? Was it about competition like Jordan was, right? He just loved beating his older siblings and like that translated into basketball. Or was it really just for like the love of the game? You just loved playing, you wanted a a platform to play, or maybe as a combination of all those things. Was there like one one true compass for you and like your um, pursuit of basketball?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, it was it was a combination of all those, honestly. Um, and so, and you know, facing adversity, you know, you want to over overcome and get you know you're, you you want to prove people wrong. You want to work harder. You want to prove it to yourself. You know, because so, so that's when you know when things didn't go well, you have to ask. Like a lot of times, if you don't actually love it, like it kind of goes hand in hand. So if you don't actually love it, you know, if there's adversity, you're just like. Ah uh, well, whatever you know, it's cool. Um, but if you really want to do something, you're gonna overcome adversity if that's what you really want to do. Um, and I, and also, it's just the the kind of the relationships that I built through basketball, the people I met, the place I was able to go are are invaluable as well. You know, um, and I I met some of my closest friends playing the game, and and so I think that that bond with others, that connection with others on the court. Um, you know, f- grew my passion for it, uh, and but really, you know, as as a high schooler, you know, you want to prove people wrong, um, so that's what drove me initially. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's a strong motivator, right? So yeah, I've definitely felt that as well. So uh, thanks for sharing that. Then, um, wanted to you know quickly touch on your time as a Professional athletes. So you played for the Macau Black Bears, uh, which is part of the, you know, Asian Basketball League. Tell tell folks more about that experience. Um, how is it like just being a pro? Right. This is probably something you've dreamed of.
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I played in the ASEAN Basketball League. It's a South. It's it's a league in Southeast Asia. It's a regional league um and so i was able there's teams from like 10 different countries in southeast asia so you're doing a lot of traveling and really seeing the world so that that part's really cool um but when i graduated i knew i had a chance to play professionally because uh i had um you know since my parents are from china i have the heritage so how it usually works with overseas teams is um each team only has a limited amount of spots for players that are not from that country. Um, so typically, you know, we have the NBA here, this is the best league in the world. Um, outside of that, you know, there's a lot of players who extremely good, just right below the NBA level, you know, so they go to the G league or they go to Europe overseas. So, you know, there's a variety of levels overseas. And, um, typically most of these, they call them literally imports. So, there's two or three spots usually on a team for imports, sometimes four. Um, and those players are usually, you know, American players. Um, and the rest are called local guys. And, you know, they're players from that country. So I would fall into the latter in this case. And, you know, that makes my market way bigger because I'm not competing against, you know, still a Division One player who averaged 17 points a game who, yeah. you know, is an import. Like, I don't have to compete against the the best um, so you know I knew that made it possible um, actually after graduating I visited China with my dad for a couple weeks um, to just kind of like graduation gifts see family travel and then while I was there I started reaching out to anybody and everybody um, and I actually was I got a response from a um, a GM oh well he worked with a CBA team so the CBA is kind of like the NBA version of or the Ch- China's version of the NBA so um, I, while I was there, you know, he invited me for a week to come work out with them. Um, so that was in Guangzhou, which is South China. Uh, and so uh, the week went pretty well. Um, and there was another coach there that was a GM um, of the team I ended up playing for, the Macau Black Bears. Uh, and so I, uh, he really liked my game. He said, stay in touch. You know, the main thing was uh, was he wanted to make sure I would be eligible um, and so that summer was pretty, uh, you know, I was just working out every day. I wasn't sure if I would have that opportunity. Um, but you know, in, in August, he, he sent me a contract, um, after I got cleared and everything, he sent me a contract and I was, I was in China in September. So that's kind of the, the story before I got overseas. Um, I also, well, one other thing is I, I actually also accepted a job at Fidelity Investments as an engineer. Um, during the school year, um, so I I told them I couldn't come, and they were very understanding. So, you know, they they knew it was a unique opportunity. Uh, and so when I was there, you know, the main difference was that, uh, the kind of the kind of the perception. Well, I, I think biggest thing for me was mentally the perception of it now being my job instead of you know, I'm you know I played mm-hmm. basketball in college. Like that's that's a big difference. Um, at least mentally it can be, uh, and the dynamic is also different because in college, it's a very much, you know, family environment, you know, you guys are all brothers and all, you know, you guys go to class together, you work out together, you, you know, eat together, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, uh, it's a very family style environment, um, overseas in pro world. It's a little bit more cutthroat, you know, I mean, I still, you know, became really good friends with some of the guys on the team, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's a business. Like I saw the business side of basketball a lot, a lot more. Um, And so the main thing was um, production, you know, in college it, you might get a pass if you just don't make mistakes um, and just get through the play. Like that might be okay. But in the pros, it's, if you don't make the best play on that play, then you didn't make the best play. You know, it's not about like not making a mistake. It's about you need to produce. And so if someone's more effective in doing that, then you're going to go with with him uh, than you. So it's, it's, you know, mentally for me, I think I put a lot more pressure on myself to produce and perform. Um, Even though, I mean, it didn't make me a better player to put more pressure on myself, but um, that was the nature of it. And the game was a little different too, you know, longer three-point lines, shorter shot clocks, okay. different style of play. You know, um, there's a lot more ball screens. You know, that is um, rather than um, at UNC, it was more it was spread out, two two big guys under the basket. So it's was a different style of play as well. So it was you know learning curve across all fronts. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless, it was a great experience.
0: Yeah, it's 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 just great though that like you know pretty much the same game, but different context, right? And different, different goals and um, ultimately different mindset. And it it seemed like that, that was a a key learning for you. Um, Yeah. And share a little bit more about that transition from being a basketball player to ultimately founding your own company, Camo Digital Solutions. Um, What was going through your mind? What uh, motivated you to make that change and also share a little bit you touched on um, your co-founder, Kanayo, but it would be great to hear about um, how you guys work together right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, actually, when I was in the midst of my season, um, like I said, definitely some up and down um, and just my life my or my, my time on the court. Um, so actually, Kanayo was... Um, he was in grad school. So he also played division one um, and he had his grad school year. He was in business school. And um, basically he he had to stop playing because he was going through some bad back issues, had some, he had herniated discs. So, you know, it was just too painful to keep playing. And so he was thinking life after basketball um, during that year. Um, For me, I was, uh, I knew that, I mean, I didn't know how long my playing career would be, but I knew my career outside of basketball was gonna be much longer. Um, and so, you know, I grew up, um, you know, another another big passion of mine just outside of basketball was just tech. Like I, I played games a lot as a kid and I was just always very good with tech. Um, and, and in high school, was like end of high school was when I started getting into coding a little bit um, and so throughout college, that was, you know, that was my major. Um, and, but the, uh, he was just, he would call me at like 4 a.m. Like for his time, it was 4 a.m. For my time, I just got out of practice at 4 p.m. And, you know, it was cause he was just up late at night thinking about stuff and he would just send me videos and talk about, you know, different ideas. And, and really it was a matter of just combining our skill sets um and natural talents um for me for me i you know i'm um, i'm very good with tech um and have a like developer's background and for him you know he's uh he went to business school and also he's a really good like you know people person and communicator so um we thought so when we both got back from overseas um we got back pretty much same time around april march april um and so that's when we got together and started really ideating and trying to figure out what we wanted to do um and so so that that became camo digital
0: cool and camo digital is a full service digital agency right so works on branding design digital marketing for clients
1: yeah so um full service meaning yeah everything from the development side of things to the marketing side so um you know we're able to carry out pretty complex app projects mobile web app projects um and then on the other side with marketing is um you know paid ad campaigns brand campaigns design assets content social media so really we bring you know the the true full service um and you know this kind of thing is obviously in very high demand with everything being digital um so there's there's definitely a a, a good market to tap into uh, and we and we started working lately a lot more within the startup space um, and initially it's with most businesses it's like you know whoever wants to pay you money and then it as we refine like in you know, our service offering and our team and you know deliverables and things like that then we're able to um, knock th- knock down these bigger projects and um, you know deliver at a high level so
0: and what are your, like, how do you and your co-founder divide responsibilities? What do, Like, what's within scope for you as a CTO versus um, your co-founder?
1: Yeah. yeah, so for me, um, I'm a lot more um, focused on, well, like many, you know, starting companies, you just wear pretty much every hat anyways. But um, for my focus now is, is, has been a lot of, honestly, project management, making sure all these products are, Um, Getting done on time, getting done with the right way, um, getting done at the high level, uh, and that you know our resources are being used efficiently to get those carried out, Um, and then also continuing to build on the service offering. You know, technology is just always expanding. So, initially, you know, we were really just doing ad campaigns, um, and then we kind of focused more and shifted or expanded more into development. Um, But you know, things are always changing and you know, we've, we've gotten um, stronger in the branding side of things, too, like brand strategy and um, design. So um, it's a matter of building out the service offering, um, project management. So making sure all these, you know, especially development projects are going well. Um, and then, of course, always new business. Um, and then internally, you know, there's always some operations things to handle and also just the way, you uh, we just present ourselves to potential uh, clients and things like that, so.
0: Cool. And are there like one or two key lessons or things that you learned from your time, you know, playing basketball that you feel like you use and refer to regularly in your, uh, your current role?
1: Yeah, I actually, well, Kanao and I talk about it all the time, because we. it's kind of what we know best is, we, like we just know basketball yeah. at a very high level. Um, and so we really like relate everything to basketball because it's so applicable, I think, to business and, and life in general. Um, you know, one of the big things in basketball is, you know, you need to put your time in every day. You need to make you need to do what you need to do every day to to, to keep continue to get better. Um, and as a business person or, or entrepreneur, you know, you have to always be learning, um, seeking opportunities and trying to improve yourself. Um, so that's the and and typically when nobody's watching and nobody's paying you, you know. Right. right. So you have to, like those two key things are present. We're present throughout my basketball career where you know you're in an open gym, you're trying to figure out ways to get better, trying to figure out ways to ha- get see, you know seek opportunities, and nobody's watching. So that that's one thing. The second thing is definitely you know just you know working with others um, basketball is a team sport. And so I played the point guard position, which is basically an extension of the coach on the floor. So, you know, setting up calls for your team, getting all your teammates in the correct positions so they can be successful and that the team can be successful, um, and communicating between, you know, the coach and the other guys on the team, like, you know, what needs to be done. So that, I mean, that, that, I think that skill set was invaluable to learn, um, to kind of like, when you, cause you know, now we actually do have a team, you know, we're working with others in a, in a team setting. So you have to understand people's strengths and weaknesses. You got to understand what makes them tick and what, you know, turns them off um, their skill set, of course. Uh, and then just the way they even like to be communicated to and things like that. And so you, you know, it's, I just see, so it's so applicable, you know um, it's really the nature of, Communicating and working with others.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And um, I guess last question is, what advice would you give to somebody who might be like earlier in their career or even in college, trying to figure out what to do? Um, any any words of wisdom or things that worked for you? Uh,
1: the biggest thing I would I would say, and I, I even regret to an extent, was um, just the networking aspect. You know, I I had, I mean, not to say I didn't have a lot of people that I talk to and things like that, or built relationships with, but I I think you can always, it's never enough, you know, like, I think the human connection portion of it is, is the most important part of, I guess, our existence, you know, in a lot of ways. And you never know when, you know, and it doesn't have to be like in the back of your head, you know, I'm doing this. So like later down the road, you know, something, you know, there's no agenda. It's just like connecting with others. and like you don't there's no agenda on connecting with others i think and so that's something that i always encourage anybody and everybody to continue to do um i guess another thing of course is just it's the cliche of just like trying to figure out what you like love to do and what you really want to do i think at the end of the day um that purpose and that mission a lot of times especially in college it's not very clear like it wasn't clear to me um and still not sometimes you know but uh like i think that just goes the longest way in the long run um just it it lot. it pushes you pushes you to new heights you know um and then you you find yourself in experiences you would you never thought you would be in as a result great
0: Great advice um and finally favorite nba team and who do you think is going to take the championship this week
1: Ah, good question. Um, fair NBA team. When I grew up, I loved watching the Spurs, uh, the classic team with Tim Duncan, yeah. Tony Parker, just the way that and Greg Popovich, um, you know, the way they played was just so pure. You you could tell they really enjoy playing with each other. Um, and they were very good also. <laughs> and so I my because my mom loved Tim Duncan too, so I kind of just was a bandwagon. Yeah. But you know, I'm a left handed player. I'm left handed. So Monty Ginobili became, you know, one of my favorite guys because, you know, he was just so smooth um on the court. Um now, honestly, you know, after they kind of phased out, I never really picked up another team per se. You know, I I really just love watching high like really good basketball. Um there's certain players I, I'm a real big fan of. Um, you know, I was a Kobe guy growing up. You know, just his work ethic just rubbed off on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of like the foundations of like what it means to truly go get after something um, with everything. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of other guys that I love, what, you know, Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, you know, Chris Paul's from Winston-Salem. Um, even well, one of my idols when I was younger was Brandon Jennings. Um, he was a left-handed, really quick, really shifty point guard and had so much confidence in it. So he was one of those guys that as a middle schooler, you know, you look up to because of, how confident he is on the court, you know, uh, so that was, those are a few guys. Yeah.
0: Cool. Kane, thanks so much for your time today. Austin, to thank you so much for sharing your story too. Uh, really appreciate it. And can't wait to share this with everyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Justin, for, for having me on and looking forward forward to connecting later. Thanks Kane. Yeah.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Asian Tech Leaders. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your family and friends. Leave me a review on iTunes or drop me a note on our website, asiantechleaders.com. I really appreciate having each of you as a listener and sharing your valuable time with me. Be well, stay healthy and follow your heart. See you soon.